Um, I uh, just to kind of give you a little outline of where we're going to go. Um, the it's so funny I'm having to turn off my phone. Um, <laughs> can't text messages. Um, but this is this, when we talk about this. I'm just starting. I kind of feel a little bit guilty and nervous because I can just like see how terrifying it is for parents when we talk about social media because it is really scary. And um, you know, this group of parents, I say this all the time, this group of parents is the first group of parents ever in world history to have to deal with technology. Um, when I finished graduate school, I, you know, as I say, when I was in graduate school, the only people who had cell phones were the really rich kids from Manhattan, LA, and Dallas. Um, and they had the big flip phones. And that was cutting edge. You know, there was no, when I was in college, when I presume all of us exception of these two young bucks were in college, there was not the ability to take videos and take pictures and look on the internet. And, you know, it's just so basically there's no previous generation to fall back on. You're sadly, unfortunately, kind of like the pioneers um, on what is one of the biggest cosmic shifts in all of world history, the, you know, the, the age of technology. And so, so, you know, that's why this is so difficult and so scary and why they're, um, we're just kind of figuring things out as we go kind of at the line of scrimmage. So, so there's that. I think another thing is, um, so, you know, I, we, I give a similar talk to this. We gave a similar talk to this in a setting where it's not, it's not lawful nor is it appropriate for us to talk about the gospel. Like if we're doing a talk at the PTO, a public school, um, I can't be saying, you know, but take heart, you know, Jesus Christ has overcome the world and he's risen from the dead and he reigns as king. Like, I can't really, I can't do that. Um, and I just have to tell you that it is just, we both leave with like such turmoil and such burden because we feel like we've told you every people everything that's bad without giving them the thing that gives us ultimate comfort in our soul, which is just the reality that as a parent, like, just accept the reality that we are just inadequate. As parents, we're going to try our hardest, but our, our children were made to be, live in the Garden of Eden. They were made to have perfect parents. They, you know, Adam and Eve were born in a perfect state, and, and that, that, you know, that ship has sailed. And so the hope, the hope and the comfort is that like, God really does love your child more than you do, and God really is more confident as a parent than you are. And so you just have to kind of have this humble mentality of, like, I am going to try my hardest I'm going to try to be as wise and as patient and kind as possible as a parent. And then, Lord, I just trust in your grace for every place where I mess up or every place where I make a wrong decision or every place where I you know, lose my patience. And so we just really have to, talk, to start with that comfort because a lot of what we talk about social media is really, really, really scary. <laughs> so we're going to, the, the roadmap is we're going to start off um, talking about the, the, the average social media day in the life of a teenager. Um, then, then we will um, talk about at the heart level, uh, you know, what is driving this. And that's really key is to not just think about your child's social media consumption in terms of behavior and just trying to alter behavior, but understand at the heart level, deeper, deep down inside, like what, what is driving uh, the, the kid who wants to sit on YouTube for 12 hours, you know, what is driving um, the girl who takes, uh, you know, 150 selfies of herself, what's driving the kid who, um, you know, takes, takes a naked picture of himself and sends it via Snapchat. 
So, yeah, because we can't, you know, out of the heart, our, our, our behavior is driven out of the heart. That's what Christ says. And so that's where we want to attack these issues. So let's start out, um, let's, let's start out with, um, with the average day. Do you, um, do you maybe want to talk about, do y'all want to talk about like what it looks like for a girl? Sure. Yeah. Or, or we can just talk for a student and we can talk about the different nuances. Yeah. That sounds good. You, you y'all start in the morning. Yeah. Um, and again, this is just what I feel like I see from my perspective of living like with teenage girls and hearing a lot from the boys too. I mean, I'm there in youth group and, and I like to listen to things and ask these kind of questions. But it, from my observation, it tends to start really early in the morning. So most of them sleep with the sun under their pillow um, or right next to their bed. And, and the parents who try to take it away, usually their excuse is, well, that's my alarm clock. Um, and so... They, it will wake them up probably around six, whenever the first person in the group me wakes up. So most of them are on like, I would say 10, 15, however many group me's. If you're not familiar with group me, it's just an app for group messages and it'll hold like, you know, 70, 80. I know for the the current juniors, at one point there was a group me of the entire grade that only lasted two hours because it got so mean that somebody had to disband it. Um, And so there'll be messages like that that'll wake them up in the morning and it's, um, I think a parent reported it for as abusive. Yeah, I don't know because it only lasted two hours, but I know that the girl had to shut it down. I'm sorry, I just got one. Are you, is Brittany bad? Is that, are we on the bad list? No. I'm doing We're just doing a day in the life of a student. Yeah. We're, t- we're just explaining their, the tr- trends in their behavior. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I will say, if it's okay, <laughs> I, 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 I am kind of overly opinionated, and I think that there's probably good and you know, the Lord is present. Um, I do kind of pay for me, but anyway, so they wake up, it's, it ended the night before, like, one thirty, maybe, 2, a lot of my se- senior high student girls stay up till 3, 3.30 in the morning, and a lot of that is encouraged by their friends who are messaging these messages, so they go to bed around 3-ish if they're a high school girl, boys are a little earlier usually, and then they've woken up at 6 by the dinging of it, and it's like, ugh, no sleep last night, I mean, it's like, they're talking about nothing, you know? And um, a lot of for the girls, it's talk about what we're going to wear that day. We've got to mutually agree if we're all going to wear a t-shirt or we're going to mutually agree what shirt you're wearing because you can't wear the same thing. We're um, talking about the test, talking about yada, yada, yada. And all of this is before they've even gotten out of bed. Usually they're still laying in bed at this point. And then... um, For the boy in bed, the same thing. They're awakened by a group text message in the morning. Um... The you know we said uh, the first your your child will sleep as long as the latest person in the group message goes to sleep, and your child will wake up as early as the earliest person in the group text group text message awakens. So if there's an early riser who gets up at 5:50 and sends out you know a text at 5:55. That's probably when your a teenager is going to wake up. The boy is going to check his group texts. Um, it's interesting. I'll observe boys. Um, especially like in high school who are, they'll, they'll kind of, they're like a small group. They'll say like, hey, did you, you know, oh, did you see what so-and-so said in the group text? Or did you see that picture that so-and-so put? And so they'll kind of, they'll, it's like a narrative that's going on every day or conversation that's going on every day. And they also will probably check Instagram. They'll kind of want to catch up on what has happened since they went to sleep. Uh, and they may check their fantasy team if they're, if they're a boy who's into sports um, and see that. And so these are, again, all the, they're almost all going to, you know, engage their phone before they wake up 
um, before they get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then they go to school, mm-hmm. right? And the and I would say the junior at Mount Brook Junior High. I'm not sure about Homeboard or Vestavia, but mm-hmm. I know at Mount Brook Junior High you can't have your phones in your locker. But I get texts from girls all day. I get texts from my daughter all day. So I don't really know exactly how that's working out. And I hear a lot of stories. I've heard of stories at the junior high where students will be watching Netflix during math class, like oh, I clock. How are you going to get through ninth, eighth, and tenth grade without having two week? Well, because you're watching it during math or during science or during whatever. Um, and so, and the, it's the con- it's the group meet even within school. It's the texting with the person next to you. It's the Snapchat from English class to the boy who's you know two rows over. Um, and so that's kind of the school life. And if it's not school, then it's um, I find that a lot of students will spend, and we'll get into this after school, but you'll st- if it's a Saturday, you'll stay in bed um, watching Netflix until um, they are then checking Instagram to see kind of what was excluded from last night. Like that's what they want to know. Like what was going on last night that I wasn't a part of that I can now I have information on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so that way I'm at least not excluded on the information. I feel stupid. So it's all this, I think part of it is all this research of like what is going on that I maybe missed out on. Um, At at school, do you have anything to add? So we're at school, group me messages are going, especially if they're in high school, group me messages are going around. A lot of Snapchats are being sent. For those who don't know what Snapchat is, that's, it's the most insidious thing ever. Um, We are on a, like a personal agenda to see Snapchat eradicated from suburban Birmingham. Um, it's diabolical. It was an app that was developed to, uh, for people to send naked pictures of themselves. Because you can take a picture, it's sent, and then it disappears. It can't be stored, but in reality, people can like do a, screen sh- a picture of the screenshot and they can save it. But mm, a lot of kids are under the impression that it actually goes away and it can't be found. And so, they'll, so but it's been normalized to where kids will all day just take stupid pictures of themselves and like send it to a friend and Ha 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 ha, and it goes away. They'll send. There are lots of group messages, lots of Snapchat going on around during school. Do you have anything to add? The only other thing I was thinking about is the Saturday morning waking up and checking what happened, like the fear of missing out. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's almost. I mean, you've probably all seen this, but it's like it didn't happen until there's an Instagram post about it, Mm. and that's just so. You know, like this did not happen unless we documented it. And so it's just the new standard. You're going to document whatever is happening. Or, I mean, there is no or. You just do. So mm-hmm. that's my only point. And yeah. we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Because mine are young, so I'm not there yet. But but we have rules about what you can and can't do. I mean, are parents just not policing what their children are doing at all? I mean, are we almost fighting other parents? Not fighting. In their school. You know what? Your kids are so much faster. Yeah.
was in the kitchen when I looked at the phone. You need to all get a group name where we can say, I feel like a mean mom, yeah, but I'm going to stand strong. But I do feel like you said kids are smart, so if you take away their phone, I feel like they have an iPad in their room, and they can yeah, still message, they can still do all the Right, and the Right. And they've got to have their credit because they're doing homework. So you think they're out there doing homework on Instagram on their school-issued laptops. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So if if you have a life as a parent, you can't sit with them for eight, you know, two hours and not figure out. Right, the reality is as they get older, they have more autonomy. And they're outside of their own world. You can't police them all the time. I mean, you just can't. So, uh, continuing with the day, but also, too, it's just like you kind of indicated, it's like a neurotic thing where they, they're posting stuff on Instagram all the time. They're constantly kind of procurate, procurating an image um, of all the fun I'm having, whatnot, during the school day. They get home from school, and I would say uh, most boys, I don't know, this is, I'm not going to say this is every day, um, I would I would say weekly. Um, it's likely that in the afternoon they end from school if they don't have a filter on their phone or a filter on the computer or, or some kind of reporting device. They're probably going to look at pornography. Um, it's um, you know it's it's kind of like this. If you put a teenage boy in a room and you put a stack of you know Playboys on the coffee table. And said, you know, how long? How long do you think that teenage boy, or really any man, would last with that right in front of their face? None of them would last very long. Well, a, f- a phone without a filter, without a reporting device, is unlimited access to all the playboys and all the dirty videos you could ever want. And so, with that being said, it's always right in front of their face. It's always just a few, you know, a few clicks away. So it is yeah, really common that when they get home from school or what kind of when they're stressed out about homework or when they're trying to go to sleep that they might look at pornography. Sometimes that is, you know, softcore or hardcore pornography, and other times it's, um, it's sadly is a practice that girls a lot of times will put, you know, their pictures from the lake or their pictures from the beach or they'll, you know, have a, a little more revealing dress for their formal and that boys will save those images from Instagram, and they'll like send them, you know, tra- basically share them or trade them amongst themselves. So that's kind of like a, a soft core pornography of sorts, which is why we you know, really encourage uh, parents who have daughters to just be very wary of what you allow your daughter to put on Instagram. Um, they are continuing with the group me. Um, they may. Yeah, the continuing with the group me, getting texts and Snapchats as they try to do their homework, and um, you know they, we hear of students who are up all hours of the night doing homework, and a lot of it is they can't get any work done because it's picking up their phone every two seconds because they're constantly inundated with either you know ESPN score notifications or Bama Online recruiting updates or. Um, you know, whatever their hobby may be, updates like that, but mainly like Snapchats and group text messages. There's just constantly you know, hundreds and hundreds coming in over the course of a day. And I would say that the the um, the Netflix and the YouTube and the like the automatic play causes them very common that I'll hear a student say that they watch four and a half to five hours after school every day of YouTube or Netflix or whatever. 
while they're doing their homework or often when they're not. I mean, they still say I'm doing my homework, but that's what they told me that they're really doing is watching five-ish hours. That's been something that's been startling to me is the, um, and I mainly hear this, I don't hear this as much. I hear it with, with boys, I hear more about video games and um, and kind of like reading about sports or if they're into like some kind of gaming, like some kind of hobby, they, they'll get lost in message boards or websites about the hobby that they're really interested in. Um, but it seems like for girls, a trend is they can really just binge on mm. on Netflix, you know, TV series or movies or whatever it may be. Right, and and things that are not, it's not, they're not watching My Little Pony when they're watching, like, again, Grey's Anatomy, Gossip Girl, New Girl. I mean, and at a young age, I mean, this is what we get from 11-year-olds that they're watching. What would you, well, no, no, Katie works more with junior high girls. Like, what would you, um, how about other things you would add into this? Um, I feel like most of my stuff will come up later, but, um, with the heart level issues, but just the Netflix, it's just, I, I mean, I don't really know what to do or say about Netflix because some of the shows that they tell me that they watch, like I went back and um, checked up, there's one called Jane the Virgin that they're watching right now. And I mean, even with a title like that, I feel like me as a parent, I'd be like, mm -mm. I mean, there's a central focus here. <laughs> um, and middle schoolers are watching this and I'm not, you know, like they watch way more Netflix than, than I do as a 20 something. So it's just shocking. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, so accessible. Yeah. And the, Even if they're not even looking for it, <clears throat> we had a Latin project on my farm that was assigned to be a siren for a project. Uh -huh. and, and so he had to search online for images of sirens, and all of a sudden, all of these images. And I have filters on uh -huh. my computer yeah. and our server and our modem. I have filters, I have lots of filters, and all these images popped up that have nothing to do with the mm -hmm. siren. Nothing to do with Greek mythology. <laughs> they are the ones who, who sang the beautiful songs and drew the sailors to their death on the rocks. But these were just women naked on the screen. So even if he wasn't searching for porn, it's coming into our screen. And mm -hmm. how easy would that be to be lured when he's doing his homework? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, and the suggestions on YouTube. You know, they're watching content on YouTube. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. Um, so what we'll talk about now? Anything else to close out the day for the girl? Um, I, I think this is a maybe not the audience or the hard word about what happens late into the night, but you have a boy or no? Don't. I think we probably should. Should. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that late into the night. This is why we hate Snapchat, and I and it, everybody has it literally. I mean, I don't know. I know one kid who doesn't. So. I mean, this is not, I'm not saying this would be an easy road to tell your kid you can't have Snapchat. But what what we see on our end, and this is true amongst all of my friends who are youth ministers and, who are, and, I, and all the counselors I know, is that as the night progresses, Snapchat is fun during the day. It's like this gross picture of me, and it's cute little seemingly innocent flirting of like, oh, look at this cheeseburger, I ate, whatever, I don't know. But as the night progresses and their inhibitions are lowered and they're tired and whatever else, the Snapchats become... Um, a little more dangerous in the sense that I'll see ones that they don't, they'll show me a Snapchat where the guy is under the covers and it's just his face and it's dark and it's a Snapchat he sent of his face and he's on the, on the pillow and, and they don't see anything strange about that. 
And not too far down the road, that becomes asking for naked pictures. And this is not just like one kid. This is like, I've had students tell me, Sarah, if you don't think every girl in our youth ministry has been asked for a naked picture of herself, then you're kidding yourself. Every girl. Mm-hmm. And at 1230 at night, when you've been, you get three hours of sleep every night, I mean, who's to say that you could say no every time, you know? I mean, if this is the only way you're receiving love and affection, and we hear it from the boys too, that the boys are being asked for the same thing from the girls, because that's become their new, like, flirting dialogue after hours, which is crazy. Yeah. Snapchat is just really, really bad. Um, and for a boy, there's a lot of temptation uh, to, you know, hey, I'm not going to get caught. I'm just going to ask this girl just, you know, for, for something inappropriate. And um, puts a boy in a tough position. And girls are very, very vulnerable to being, like, being violated, victimized um, through the things that they're asked for through Snapchat. Um, so with that happening it. We're going to now talk about the um, heart level, like what what is driving kids' like fixation with technology and with social media, and why is it that it's like if you say I'm taking your phone away for a couple hours, your child starts to tremor and and gets violently angry, and um, what's what's going on with that? Do you want to? Would you, Katie? You want to start with um, with FOMO? Yeah. Okay. So you've probably heard the term FOMO. It's kind of actually brilliant. Uh, fear of missing out, FOMO. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about like what's going on underneath that. And so I, I spent some time thinking about it, and it's easy to think about because it happens to us too, you know? Um, all ages, this is the reality with social media. We see everyone's favorite parts of their lives up in front of us at, at any point. Um, so I was kind of thinking of what, what, are, what am I assuming when I get that afraid of or what are our students assuming when they get that afraid of being left out and so the first thing that I thought of was this whole idea that it's possible for me to miss out on something that's vital for my life and success like it's really possible that I'm just gonna miss something that's really important and it's really gonna affect me Um, and that just made me think of the the promise that we have in scripture that God is in control and that he's sovereign and it's not up to us to organize and orchestrate all of the things in our life and so kind of tied into that is this idea that it's up to me to make sure that my life is good I have to manipulate things to get into the right friend group to get into the right social scene to make sure that I'm involved in the right activities the right group me's at the right events on Friday nights like it is up to me to make sure that my life goes well um And so those are some assumptions that we just automatically go to. And so looking at the hope of the gospel underneath that, um, this has been one of my favorite verses for years. And it's just, I don't know, I don't feel like I hear it all that often, but it's really incredible. It's um, 2 Peter chapter 1, right at the very beginning, and it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Um, So talking about that promise, like God has granted to us all things that we need for life and godliness. On a scale of eternal significance, we have what we need through God. And so, boom, there goes those two assumptions of I'm going to miss something vital, and it's up to me to kind of make sure that everything is taken care of. And then, of course, we have things all over, over Scripture about God's control, and I think of Proverbs 16, 9 that says the heart 
of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So God really is the controlling factor. And I think we just forget that and we get stuck on this um, this idol of control and how it's all up to me, which is just paralyzing. And that really speaks to the fear, I think, because that does paralyze you like, oh my gosh, I have to orchestrate things. Um, and then I think even more basic than that, we are, and I think it was Cameron that pointed this out, we're wondering, is God holding out on me? Like, is he actually giving me all the good that he could or that he should? Or is he holding good things for me? Like, is this relationship poisoned? Um, And so those are two basic assumptions there. Number one, you're really asking, is God good? Is he actually good? Um, And of course, we know from scripture that he promises that all things work together for our good. He is good and that all good things come from him. So at a very basic heart level, we have to remind ourselves that God is good. Um, and then number two, underneath that, is God withholding things, is does God really care about me? Does he really want what's best for me? And you can kind of get into this mindset where um, God is someone that you bargain with for good or bad, and you forget that he, is, um, he wants good for you and that he does know and care about you. And I think about Psalm 139 that says, um, you know, he, he knows our sitting down and our, or no, he knows when I sit down and when I rise up and you discern my thoughts from afar and you've ordered all of my days before me. So just the promise that God really is good and he really does know and care about you deeply. Um, and the, num- the hairs on your head are numbered. Um, and then the last assumption is that my value comes from other people's opinions of me. And, um, that one's that one's super challenging because it's it's constantly surrounding them all hours of the day, mm-hmm. um, and so just the reminder to to disband that assumption would be whose opinion ultimately matters and it's God's. Um, so I just wanted to read really quickly Luke from Luke 12. It says um, verses four through seven. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Um, So just that reminder that um, our value comes from, from God and not other people's opinions. So those are just four places that I see of all generations sinking into the fear of missing out and kind of what the gospel has to say to those. I think with teenagers, the reason why they sleep with their phone under their bed, under a pillow, and probably the reason why they get the most violent and hostile with their parents when they take away their phone is this fear of missing out. Like there is something going on out there, and when you take away my phone, you are robbing me. You are robbing me of the joy of being a part of that and you're inflicting upon me the fear that things are going on and I'm not a part of them and so there's this idea of I need what's going on out there in order to be satisfied rather than what God you know what God has given me what I have right now here in Christ so um you want to talk about um uh inadequacy or am I am I am I okay yeah sure um you want to hmm this is just basic gospel. I mean, the question, if we're born broken and we all kind of on some deep level, I think know that, 
um, the struggle that they are going through as they realize like that I'm not perfect and that I am there's something that's not okay about me and yet the, the thought that I can fix that um, and so asking that question and wanting to check in and wanting to make the grade and the example I keep using which maybe is helpful maybe not but is that school they get to find that out from their GPA like well I have a 3.0 so it means I'm doing okay but like I need to get I need a 2.5 to get into this school and I have that or you know, how am I doing in chemistry? I've got this grade. Well, now they have the opportunity that outside of school, I'm going to get another grade, and that's going to be through social media. How many followers do I have? How many likes am I getting on my pictures? Um, how many group me's am I in? And so that becomes the new grade. And so I need to be making this grade in school and this social grade in order to be, quote, okay. And um, mm -hmm. from a Christian perspective, the most important word would be, you're enough, like God, and God is enough. Most importantly, like God doesn't need you to have this much in order to be okay. That's not impressive to Him. He doesn't need you. Does that make sense? And so I think at a deep level, it's this constant striving of um, wanting to make the grade socially, and so that feeds their obsession with these online um, outlets. All of them. I mean, and so. Basically. Yeah, that's really good. I, and I think the affirmation you give a teenager in that is constantly reminding them, like. Hey, look, through Christ, you are enough. Like, you don't need anything outside. You don't need anything extra to make to, for you to be acceptable, for you to be, you know, for you to be completely lovable. Like Christ has made you lovable um, by forgiving your sins. Mm. Um, so the the one I uh, am focusing on, the heart level motivation, sounds like it's pretty relevant here. Is escapism. Um, you know, basically trying to uh, escape the real world and enter into like a fantasy world or a virtual world where I don't have to deal with the real problems that are going on down here. So, you know, there's there's this, think of a line here, and down here is the actual world, the real world. And up here is this virtual world. And, you know, escaping is actually, is a healthy thing in, you know, in proper, proper balance, proper context. I mean, that is, uh, in some ways, what, a Sabbath is. That's why God mandates the Sabbath. It is uh, it's meant to be a time where we step away from the effects of the fall, and we enter into uh, God's glory. Um, we get a taste of God's glory. That's what, uh, in terms of like biblical worship, is biblical corporate worship is designed to be. Is for us to get a taste. That's one aspect of it. Is to get a taste and a reminder of what heaven will be like, um, and and so, and just that recognition that, as T.S. Eliot said, man can only handle so much reality. That's why hobbies are good. Um, that's why vacations are good. Um, that's why, I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, for me to go to sleep, I need to, you know, I need to watch, you know, so I watch a few episodes of Modern Family, you know. And I just, you know, just, it's a good, it's a good way to just disengage from the stresses of parenting and work and so on and so forth. So that, so it's a good thing in moderation. The problem is, is we see that kids are trying to live their entire life in fantasy land. Um, they have very little engagement with the real world. And so, you know, a, a good kind of picture of this is it used to be back in the day, um, I would have, you know, a student might come to youth group and you could tell they were a little bit nervous about whether anybody was going to talk to them or whether they're going to have anybody to sit with. And so they would come with headphones and they may have an iPod. Uh, how ancient is an iPod now? And they would pl they'd put in earphones and play music while they're at you know at dinner, like a pizza dinner, you know. 
And and clearly there's just they're too overwhelmed by the social anxiety that they're escaping by putting in music and like you know beam me up. And uh, but now with the phone, you see like a kid comes to a social into a social situation, um, or they're doing homework, and you know all this is very stressful. Life in the in the real world is stressful, and so the way they cope with that is. Um, is through the phone. There's an, there's always an escape. I can always like look at a um, look at a video. I can always like you know check out what's going on, on Instagram. I can always check my group text or you know whatever. It's just constant escape. And with the like the binge watching of Netflix or YouTube or video games, it's like trying to stay up here in the virtual world, avoiding the real world um, constantly. Like make a lifestyle up there. And so I think, you know, practically speaking, um, sorry, on a practical note, one thing is to help your child be aware of this. You know, especially like when you take away your kids, um, take away your kid's phone or you limit their TV watching, their computer, their Netflix watching, whatever it may be, um, is to say like, well, so why are you, you know, what are you feeling right now? You know, do you, are, you, are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling lonely? Because there's just so much numbing that's done by the, all this escaping, just trying to numb our numb pain, numb insecurity, numb inadequacy, numb, numb stress and fear, numb loneliness, lots and lots of loneliness. And so, so to ask that, to engage them and help them understand like, here's what's going on. You know, here's what's going on when you're constantly pulling out this stuff. They need to, that's just helping them kind of emotionally develop. I, it's funny, I was preparing for the, I thought this is my third social, second social media talk. I'm doing another social media talk tomorrow. So I've been doing a lot of kind of self, self uh, inventory. And I notice like when I get home from work, like it is, you know, I am stressed. I mean, I've had, you know, I've done a lot and there's, you know, tension. And then, you know, when you have babies, it's the power hour. It's got to get them fed and got to clean up the house and you got to bathe them and you got to, you know, put lotion on and you got to, you know, go potty before we go to bed and put on the pull up and, and, and you know, and there are like 60 conflicts with a three-year-old and I don't want to do that. And, you know, and so I'll kind of have my phone there. And I, and last night I'm like, Hey Lauren, I've got to quit having my phone on me. I need to put it away. And I found myself like, Oh man, like I'm always checking like Alabama text uh, Twitters or I'm checking like Wake Forest statistics or checking my group messages. And it's like little micro escapes, micro escapes to cope with kind of the, the stress and, uh, you know, anyhow. So the, the, like the comfort, the gospel word for your child is, number one, to acknowledge how difficult the real world is. Um, but to just to say, just to um, basically the virtual world becomes an idol for them. It becomes a false god that gives them comfort. And to say like, to say like, look, go, go to the Lord for comfort. Um, go to the Lord. If you are lonely, go to the Lord with that and remember that God is, God is with you in the Holy Spirit. Christ dwells in your heart through your union with Christ. Um, you know, with your stress, find comfort in the reality that Jesus has conquered sin and death. Your only really big problems Jesus has taken care of, you know, have that perspective. Um, if you are, you know, whatever, whatever it is, just reminding your child, find your comfort, find your comfort in Christ. And, you know, not your comfort in escaping through technology, through a false God that has absolutely, that's only going to make you much lonelier, much, much lonelier. As you're talking to you, I was just thinking that not only is it, um, 
is it that side of it? I think so much of it, wanting to live in that other world is just a control issue. It's that that's the world that I can curate and control. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm going to make my decisions based on that. That's what this, the disturbing trend that we're seeing is I'm making decisions based on this world, the virtual world, rather than on my world. Like I'm going to go to an event because there's going to be a good picture there, even though I'll be miserable. Like I'm sick, but I'm, I have to be there in order for it to look this way on my Instagram, even though I get there and it was really boring and I was felt terrible the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. And we see that like a lot of them will have texting relationships with people that they don't, won't talk to face to face um, because I can control that world. I know what I'm mm -hmm. going to I can think of what I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. I'll FaceTime my friend. I have students who will FaceTime for six hours after school while they do homework. Because I think that then you're, there's oh, a freedom in that man. you can hang up when it gets awkward. You don't have to sit and like wait for my mom to pick me up because that's awkward. I don't want to do that. I can't control that person. I can pretend like my internet went out when I can just hang up if we're FaceTiming. But if we have to be face-to-face, -face, I might say something stupid, like, Lord forbid. And so this idea that I can control my world, um, that I'm God, is they're trying to live in that, and, that's just, and it doesn't satisfy. And then it leads to this mm -hmm. loneliness and isolation. They can't figure out why am I lonely when I'm, you know, sir, I'm in an 80-person group message and I get all these messages, why am I so lonely? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's li there, life is in the real world. Yeah. Life's in the real world, like here, with us, face-to-face, you know, -face, real relationships, and with the presence of God, which is real. <laughs> he's not up here. He's, he's actually here. <laughs> yeah. um, so, all right, practical recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, we, yeah, we kind of, there's just, you know, the, I think one of the, benefits of being able to do this talk is we can talk about the kind of hope of Christ that we can offer our kids, but there are just some basic boundaries and wisdom that we should take advantage of, and um, do you want to start with uh, some of the ones that you um, feel strongly about? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, oh, sure. Um, well, I think it's helpful to start with the, the we you talking about covenant eyes, the parental, like being, I think it's helpful to be engaged with all of the media devices, I think so often they're left on their own. This is what a, a theme that I see. And um, they pretend like they want it for themselves, but the kids that have really have limits appreciate it, mm -hmm. that they feel really loved by it. And they will outwardly complain, but then behind closed doors, like when they're with me, when we're driving to Starbucks, they'll be like, it's actually kind of awesome. Like, it's kind of awesome that I, and, but to their parent, they hadn't talked to them for two months. But to me, they're like, it's actually really great. Like I kind of, I can't, I count down to 8:30 when they take my phone. It's a very disturbing kind of weird thing, but they, it's really helpful for them. I think like they don't know the girls, especially we had recently had senior high sex ed and I sat them down and we we're kind of talking about like, look at these Instagram pictures. Like, what is that? What is that saying? And they just have no idea, you know, and their minds were, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe what the messages that they were sending through those kind of things. Because they're following Victoria's Secret models, all of them are. So they don't understand like the difference of what that's trying to say and what maybe they would want to say. Um, that, another thing that I feel really strongly about is the no screen time on our trips. We don't have phones at all. And um, I'll have students who chase me around and try to find where I'm hiding the phones. But then after a couple of days, they, they settle in. And we find that those are where they... A trend we were talking about yesterday is that they, they perceive those to be their real friends, the ones that they've had time with without phones because they've had deep level conversations. They've had that awkwardness and vulnerability. And so they perceive that those friends, the friends they made on moon dance or the friends they made at camp or the friends they made on our mission trip are their actual friends because they saw them in a different way. Um, and so I think time, be it at night, be it on a Saturday, be it on your family trip, I think without like screen free, 
Uh Um, Again, a lot of parents I've talked to and and students, they were like, I hated my parents until Wednesday of our week-long trip. And then it was great, and I didn't want to come home. You know, and so I think it's hard. But, um, again, the analogy I keep using is it's like their office. It's it's like the the law office or the... um, the classroom or the whatever, you know, it is for you that symbolizes the stress and work for them. It's like, that's their office. So as long as they have that phone with them, it's a source of stress, anxiety, and burden that's constantly dinging. As long as they have that with them, it's like, they don't have a break. They don't can't put their feet up and just chill. They're on, they're on on duty. And so no wonder they're so tired and no wonder they're so exhausted because there's always something being demanded of me as long as that thing is on next to me and having it upside down is not enough, you know? So, yeah. I think I think specifically with that, I think we have this practice some of our families have. Some of our families, it's, there's a time at night where it's 8 o'clock and everyone puts their phones up. And the kids will fight and they'll scream. And they're, they will tell us again behind closed doors that they are so grateful for it. And those are the kids who get their homework done early. And those are the kids who get a decent amount of sleep. Um, no, I, no child should sleep with their, their, their phone under their pillow. Um, a second thing I would say is unionize. Um, truly, uh, we have a family in Homewood and they have about six or seven other families. And in terms of like what they allow their children to, to do in terms of can they have Instagram or can they have Snapchat or can they just, they all make decisions together. Um, so because the biggest leverage that a child will have against you is mom, everyone has Snapchat. Like everyone has Snapchat and you feel like you are making your child a social pariah um, if you, if you, you know, withhold that from them. Well, if you have four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 families that you're in communication with, um, then, you know, you can, you can say, no, 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 honey. Like I know that the Smiths and the Crackies and the Krugers, like they're not doing it either. And, and like, you're not the only one. Um, and it's just, you know, it's helpful. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, we need to you know, withdraw from the world and create a, you know, a utopian cult or something. But it is helpful to kind of band together um, with families. Um, we already have our parents union. We're recruiting members often. And we just have, our, you know, our oldest in our house is three. Um, a second thing is uh, I would say unequivocally do not let your child have Snapchat. Um, there, you know, we all know as parents there are certain ditches to die in. I don't know that Instagram is a ditch to die in. You know, when your child is in middle school or in high school, probably is in elementary school. Um, but Snapchat's a ditch to die in. It is. I don't care how angry your child gets. I don't care how, you know, if they think you're the worst parent in the world. I would, under no circumstances, allow my child to have Snapchat on their phone. Um, yeah, yeah. So the reason we say that is we find that every every girl who has Snapchat will be solicited for naked pictures. It's just because uh, Snapchat, there's no, they, they, at least they think, there's no record of, you know, the message that you send or the picture that you send. And so we see that girls are, you know, really violated um, frequently uh, if they have Snapchat. And also, two girls and boys alike are, um, are very susceptible to making bad decisions. Um, because they think it won't, and so they send. They may send a compromising picture, send an inappropriate message, and you know, and then, and then there's a scandal. And how likely is that girl to find out that her picture has been um, sent everywhere, or does she not know? Is it among the boys at that point? Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. Reasons, or is 
Some, sometimes, sometimes it will, but at the very least, the second she sends it, she lives in the fear. It's like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And there's this turmoil. And, you know, on this panel that we did at Mount Brook High School, someone who's a psychologist, she's, and she always, when we, we did this panel like three times, she said, and that's when they end up in my office, is they're, they're so anxious, they're so shamed of what might be happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just a, there's a good way to take care of it. Just eradicate it. <laughs> and then a final thing I would say uh, is to have um, to have a uh, have a monitoring device at the very least on your child's uh, technology. Um, one that I recommend is Covenant Eyes. Um, Covenant Eyes is cheap. It's like ten dollars a month, uh, and it basically will just send you a report every week of what your child has accessed on their phone, on the iPad, on the home computer. Um, because, uh, and, and it'll kind of rank, it'll kind of have like a category. These are the things that are mature or highly mature. These are the things that are innocuous, but you know, regardless, and even will, it even will show you, um, even will show you like how much time or what their, what their web searches are and things like that. And I, I said, I said this at the, at the panel, I mean, most of my Christian guy friends, we all have covenant eyes on our computers just, just to like make ourselves accountable to other men that we're not, you know, going down bad roads on the computer. And it's funny, one of my, my friend who has my report, he'll say like, he'll say, Hey Cameron, looks like you, have you been reading your Bible more or have you been reading about Alabama football more? Because he'll, and that's a, that's an idol. I mean, it's an, it's an idol of mine and, and it's good, it's good kind of accountability on his part, but just to give you a sense. Uh, um, and then your child should know that that monitor is there. Um, it's just for, a, I mean, 30, 30, 20, sorry, 25% of girls access pornography once a month. 86% of boys access pornography at least once a month. It's probably more like weekly. And you just probably should assume that your child is not the 14%. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just an overwhelming temptation um, for a, for a, um, for a teenage boy to have unfettered access to pornography. Yeah, it's it's you can put it on the iPhone, put it on the iPad, and you don't have to pay more for each device that you buy it. And um, yeah, so the school computer is tougher. So if they are in the high school and they have the three Chromebooks, it's a little bit more complicated. And so that, I think that just requires engagement. And but they know that they can be. I think at, when they're in the high school, I think when they're home. It's, it's free-for-all, and so they know how to clear history. So that just kind of gets into a weird, and I don't know if that means talking to the principals about that. Or I think it's probably something that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. With Covenant Eyes, um, can you read all their texts? Because I use TeamSafe, but you can just look at them. Oh, that's like, I, I would imagine <laughs> it's like reading War and Peace, and it's just, that would probably be this, this long. But you know, you're looking for yeah, I I know. I don't think it does. I think it's just what they're accessing via the internet and what they're downloading in terms of apps. And one thing that's good about that is there's something called ghost apps. And um, ghost apps are on the screen. It looks like your child um, on the screen. It looks like you know it's one one. Of, what's the calculator? Yeah, there's something like uh, percentage calculator, and it looks like it's just a calculator, but in reality it's um, it's a place where they can store Photos, yeah, and videos, and particularly like, inappropriate stuff. So with a device like Covenant Eyes, they're constantly like researching and monitoring what is the next new thing, and so it's going to flag 
it's going to flag like percentage calculator. It's going to know a lot, a lot more likely for to know than any of us. What are the what are the like the latest ghost apps out there? Oh no, no way. That's right. If they downloaded it. Yeah, it'll it'll even. I mean, my friend. It's so funny. My friend on the who whose report I keep. He has like Pinterest, and then it like shows me all this stuff. And it's, it tells me he's on Pinterest because it's an app on his phone. It's funny. I'm like, you really aren't into recipes for a 36 year old man. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> um, anyhow, yeah. There is a tool that does block things. You can get that on Covenant Eyes. I think if you have small children, then you do want to have a filter because your child could accidentally hear a word and like, hmm, what's that? And then put it in Google and then images of inappropriate things come up. It's, exactly, yeah. I, I think it's good to have a filter. I, I probably will try that. I do know that there the, some of the filters are so sensitive that, you know, your child's doing their biology homework, and it, you know, and it's they just put in, you know, put in they put in the word sperm because that's in their biology, and all of a sudden, you know, it like locks it down. Are that are even less than that. I mean, I've, I hear stories yeah. about like I could not find Julius Caesar, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. Right. Yeah. So at some point, and I was reading a book, and I forgive me because Rachel stuck out to me, and I don't remember which one it was, but she was saying at some point you have had to lay the groundwork. Yeah. And you right. have to have the relationship with your child and set limits, and to the point where it's just a, it's a relationship thing, and the filters have had to go. To, I mean, you just, mm -hmm. I mean, this type of thing is good, where you're taking history and you're, you're still mm -hmm. monitoring. You're yeah. not like giving up. Mm. But where the filters are not the thing anymore, it's more the relationship and the groundwork that you set before. Oh, it's going to tell you, yeah. And it's very... And you've told your children, like, you know if this comes up, oh, yeah. I'll get a report. And yeah. then they might do it once, and then you're like, see, I got a report. And I, you know. We have a great speaker that came to PTA and talked to us about this, and there's some education that needs to be done on the front end. And then, of course, the book that was sent out to all parents, there's some mm -hmm. Yeah. And what God's God's view on all this is. Yeah. I mean, a Christian child, I mean, God's view on all this is very important. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we've got that. Absolutely, yeah. That's what I, I've honestly been really encouraged in the last six months, a year, a year. As I've watched it kind of spiral more and more as I perceive it, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, that there are students who I think. Are, well, are getting it, 
-hmm. and are getting that like I second that. It's wow so this is mm -hmm. really this isn't satisfying me something's wrong and I've had students like on downline like cancel out of snapchat and instagram and um group me on their own like I decide mm -hmm. this is not good and I don't want to do this anymore like as a senior or as a junior I haven't seen it as much as the younger mm -hmm. ones but so that is encouraging to me like something is happening and, mm -hmm. and I would say as a parent as we're seeing Yes, you so do. Addictive. It is so addictive. It is so it's as addictive as heroin. You have got to jump on it, even to the point of going and going outside of your community. I mm -hmm. mean, you just would not let that. Mm. You just cannot let that go. It's true. Yeah. Um, last couple things I would say are, um, well, I think that as much as you can uh, prevent your child from having technology in their room, uh, as much as possible, I think that's a really good thing. That you know, phones don't go in rooms, iPads don't go in rooms, laptops don't go in rooms. And if they resist that, you're like, well, what's the problem? Like, what would you be looking at on the computer, or what would you be doing on the computer that you can't do in front of me? You know, um, I don't need to do anything on the computer. I can't do right in front of my wife. Uh, you know, we all don't need to do anything on the computer that you can't do right in front of your husband. You child, like, you don't need to do anything on the computer you can't do in front of mom and dad. So. It just all needs to be out there. And then the last thing I would say, I've been very convicted of this this week. I've been reading this book um, called It's Complicated about the net, the kind of uh, the networked lives of teenagers. And the, the scholar, brilliant woman, she's a fellow at Harvard, she's, one of the things she observed when she would go to social events and observe kids on their phones and how they use their technology, she would also look at the parents. And she said her, she noticed that the parents actually consumed more technology than the children that they were on their phones more. And I was just kind of very, uh, when you have to you know, give people instruction on how to do things with their kids, you, you really are always doing this self-inventory of like, oh my goodness, I'm the biggest hypocrite because I have my phone out all the time in front of my children. Or I'm on the phone in the car around my kids. And, uh, and so I just think for us, um, just setting boundaries for ourselves setting boundaries for ourselves. Uh, I told my wife last night, <laughs> I was like, I, I'm, I'm putting my our phone away, my phone away when I get home. Uh, you know, I, I don't bring my work computer in, in, in the house anymore. That's been a, a long-standing rule, but uh, because I'm, I'm the chief among sinners, like I'm the worst. I'm the worst offender in all of this. So, and hey, at the end of the day, just that reminder, Jesus has defeated sin and death. Mm -hmm. God cares about, God, God's grace is, is much bigger than our inadequacy as parents. And, you know, it's bigger than our children's sin. Um, Jesus has handled that in his life and his death and his resurrection. So that's, that's our hope. That's why we can walk out of here not completely overwhelmed and terrified because the Lord is so much greater. So much, yeah, is so much greater. So much greater and so for us. So, um, so I'll tell you what, Katie, you want to pray for us? Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this chance for us to gather together and thank you for just the promises in your word and thank you Christ for coming to earth and for living a perfect life and, and dying for our sins and coming back to life um, so that our ultimate enemy is defeated. Um, and I do pray um, for each of us represented here for our own boundaries with technology, for the boundaries um, for our, our kids. And Lord, I just pray that you would go before us. I pray that um, if anyone here is feeling overwhelmed, Lord, that you would um, help us to lean on you and to trust that you really are in control. Um, and I do thank you for your provision and that you love and care about 
our students and kids more than we even come close to. And it's the most fun thing out there. Amen. Thank you.